Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. It's October 14th, 2022. I'm here with Ted Shilowitz for This Week in XR. Thanks for joining us on a newsy, busy week. Ted's in a hotel room uh, somewhere in Florida for corporate meetings and is going to run out in about 15. And then I have Lucas Martel joining me. He's the CEO of Mighty Coconut, uh, the company behind Walkabout Mini Golf. Uh, they just launched uh, two new courses, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and uh, one based on the Labyrinth movie. So I'm looking forward to that conversation, but let's t- start talking faster because we've got a lot to cover this week, Ted. Uh, first good. of all, Paramount Plus uh, involved with uh, uh, Meta on um, you know, the um, announcement uh, on Tuesday, and uh, I'm interested in hearing what uh, you're going to do. Uh, with Meta, and but most of all, you saw the um, the new headset, the Quest yes, Pro, yes. a long time ago, and said nothing to me. Yeah, well, you, you know, like you're very good at keeping secrets. I don't know if I, that's one thing about our relationship. I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> Part of my 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 dual life that I have to ride uh, being a podcast co-host as sort of my uh, secondary life. So, okay, my... so come out with it. Tell us uh, what the experience is. Well, first like. of all, even before we do that, you're going to have a good guest on today. Mighty Coconut is a very cool company, and I have uh, played the new Jules Verne uh, 20,000 Leagues under the Walkabout Golf VR, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, they, they, they do a lot of really good stuff with physics, uh, and like air tunnels and things blowing around and you move around really nice. I'm very impressed with how they create these worlds and people. It's amazing. They could hang you off the side of a cliff, pointing you down at a 90 degree angle, you know, in these Escher like impossible places that the physics of the game is always consistent and just right. Yes. Yes. So I'm impressed by them. Um, and, uh, you know, you and I will have to hop in together in the next couple of weeks, but uh, it's good. Yeah, I would love to do that with him. Maybe we can film it as a special yeah. episode. Absolutely. I think we should totally do that. Uh, on the uh, big topic du, du jour, um, <laughs> the all things meta announcement, um, which, uh, you know, you and I had a little, a little pre-conversation about this. And I, I was actually more impressed than I thought I was going to be at the overall cadence and touch point of the overall presentation where they took about 90 minutes to kind of walk through everything. There was a, a lot of stuff, well, but they, they did a pretty good job of avoiding kind of the noise level and just making their forward press and showing this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is how we're doing it. And then I'll so I'll let you comment on that. And then I'll talk about well, I mean, I mean, what a story. What a story. Larger than life character in Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, taking a swing that no corporate titan or anyone else would take. This is an Elon Musk side <laughs> swing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't think Mark is likable or a good actor. And I don't think he should make it. It was less about him than last year's. I will grant you that. But um, there is an inherent fakiness in his sincerity 
that just brings to mind how untrustworthy this company is. And I'm sorry, it's, it's like I'm like a lover in a bad relationship. I yeah. mean, they have lost my trust and I'm not quite sure what they're going to have to do to get it back. As, yeah. as a company as a whole, I mean, as, you know, there's this duality in me in, in that I love VR, I love the MetaQuest, I can't believe that somebody is doing this, yet at the same time, I really question some of their motives and morality, and I'd like to be proven wrong, but every time I try to be proven wrong and I try to, you know, be a cheerleader, I get hammered by some crazy event that you couldn't ease, even uh, predict, although now I think I'm getting better at predicting, but I don't want this to be a negative thing. Uh, I thought I, I thought what they were showing us is we spent $10 billion yeah. and we built something really, really amazing. Yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting that uh, your perspective and my perspective, usually we're very much aligned on things, but occasionally we're not, which is good. You know, obviously two different people with different opinions. I actually thought as compared to the last few connects and the, certainly the last virtual ones, this was markedly better. I think Mark, for whatever reason, put a lot more energy into trying to be likable and trying to connect a little bit. And I actually thought it was better. Not perfect. Look, I, you know, I mean, I'm an Apple sort of, you know, ethos guy for my whole life. So when you watch someone at the level of Steve Jobs do it, no one can ever do it that good. Yeah. But I did think that they put real effort and real concern and kind of took the feedback that it was very stiff and very robotic in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And they made a very significant effort. I have, I have no doubt the guy is making a big effort. Yeah, uh, because so, so I just, maybe I give them more of a benefit of the doubt that yeah. I mean, I, it's just, you know, he's one of the richest men in the world. You yeah, live kind of in a bubble right. at that point. So uh, anyway, let's get on yeah. with the hardware. But the actual hardware. Let's go. Yeah, let's go let's to talk the, about the Quest Pro. Right. So what used to be called Project Cambria, uh, because of some of the development work that I do with some of our partners, I had a chance to wear the earlier, the prototype versions and was dutifully impressed by it. You know, I mean, the, the, the high fidelity color mixed reality component is good. The comfort is good. Um, the fact that, that, you know, you can kind of sort of see your outside world in the real and then they've got these little snap on kind of magnetic sides is a very clever concept. Um, I thought, uh, you know, and look, truthfully, I didn't know what the actual final price point was going to be. I knew it was going to be probably around $1,000. Um, the fact that it's $1,500 is very interesting to me because they're clearly targeting a non-price sensitive customer, right? They're marching into enterprise. Well, that's, what we, that's what we predicted. I mean, you know, it's funny. Uh, I wanted to bring up, you know, I watched it with my class because Tuesday is a teaching day at Chapman. So I, you know, killed two birds with one stone. I gave them a test and then I watched this with them. And one of the young women in the class said something really interesting. Who is this for? Why are they doing this? Right, right, right. And and my answer was, they have a few audiences here that they're addressing, and you are not one of them. <laughs> um, you know, they're addressing, of course, their investors and shareholders. They're addressing their employees. Uh, they are addressing their developers and business partners like you to try and give you a larger picture than just the project that you're working on. Right. And, and then they're trying to show the industry how they're spending $10 billion and where there is opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was effective in that. Um, I think the reaction to it by non-pros 
which is a lot of the noise we're hearing on Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, is really Ill irrelevant. The, okay, you can't afford $1,500, but let's go back in the distant past five years ago where people spent way more than $1,500 to get into VR. Sure. You know, I had to buy a gaming PC that was VR capable. I fortunately got my hands on a $600 uh, Vive kit. Yep. But, uh, you know, that was almost $2,000. So I yeah. think people who care about VR will buy the headset. Yeah. How big is that group? Probably a million people. Right. Um, you know, a million people at $1,400, $1,500 starts to be a real number. Yeah. Uh, and they have, they can't keep subsidizing the headset and spending a million dollars on average, $100 million on advertising. So, uh, but again, it is for business customers. They said it a hundred times. They said it a hundred times. And so they I think that is good positioning for it. I mean, this is kind of on them to make a go of B2B, but they trotted out Satya Nadella and... Um, Julie uh, uh, from uh, the CEO of Accenture, and you know those were pretty powerful endorsements. I thought, yeah, and legitimate. You know, they 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 were talking about real use cases and real value. I thought the most interesting is when Satya comes out because you know they do have a program that moves into head worn compute, right? With a, obviously the Hololens and what they did in sort of the earlier stages of VR that didn't quite work for them on their Microsoft uh, sort of you know Windows platform for VR, um, but the fact that they see that that's a potential valid partnership and they like the level of the hardware and they like where it's going uh, is a pretty good indication uh, that they're realizing the ecosystem. I think maybe the, the the biggest open question for me, Charlie, and I think you said, you know, from the, the Twitter reaction, do you just think that the gaming community will is just going to balk at that price point? They, they, you know, obviously that's their biggest addressable market. I, I just, I, I think everybody will want one and right. they can't afford it, but you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, I think Meta has been very clear in their messaging. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think on social media, they get the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they didn't get the benefit of the doubt from the press this week. Right. Uh, I mean, I put a bunch of it in because uh, in the story, because there was so much of it, but it's like, it's like that old meme, leave Meta alone. <laughs> I mean, haven't they been beaten down and up their stock price? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, and also it's unimaginable what it must feel like to be working at Facebook right now right. or Instagram, you must feel like Mark Zuckerberg doesn't care if you drown and your stock is way underwater. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. the company culture there must, cannot be good. Um, and so it may be good at Meta, but at the other three quarters of the company, it, it's challenging. Right, it's challenging. It's really challenging for them right now. And uh, ironically, they're still going to make a bucket of money. They can more than afford the VR that they're doing. It's just not going to produce a lot of shareholder returns. So the stock right. is getting hammered, but it, but that affects the employees. Right. So you so, either have so, to, I yeah. mean, it, as I said, great story as a writer, you could not yep. make, make up this stuff. And I thought the other thing about connect that was really good was the breadth of it. You know, if you want to know what Meta is doing, here's what it is. They, you know, didn't keep a lot of secrets. Right. They talked a lot about avatars. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they talked about it in the context of business. They think business meetings in VR will be better with better avatars. Yeah. Uh, so the avatars are getting legs. There's face tracking, uh, which is a weirdly controversial feature. Um but it animates the avatar so much more accurately. You raise right. your eyebrows, you smile a little bit. You know, those visual cues are, are super important in personal communication. And it's actually a reason people don't like conference calls and even Zoom. 
Mm -hmm. So, I mean, certainly as a professor, I can tell you looking at people in the eye who are in sort of the audience or the room with you is very, very different than being on a Zoom. So I, I don't think they're, uh, you know, the question as always is, are they too early? But, yeah. but let's, I mean, the timing of these things is impossible to master. You know, but again, they're making a lot of money on these businesses that have been battered uh, in the financial markets and in the press, but are still used by 2 billion people. So, yeah, and you're bringing up a lot of really good points. I mean, you know, if you look at the strategy, they're all in on the concept of presence. They're all in on the evolution of the compute platform that we're going to move past the flat screen. We're going to evolve and find our way into more advanced, more exotic screen usage. And presence is this big bet that Meta is making and they are doing their best to sort of ignore the current state of the market and the current state of the prediction that their stock keeps going down as they take a bigger, bigger bet on the Well, there's future. so much of that is schadenfreude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so much of that is uh, people delighting in the misfortune mm -hmm. of Facebook. Again, uh, possibly, uh, you know, at their own hand. Yeah, so, it's a big bet, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, there was other news. Yeah, there's a couple other smaller things cooking, right? That we should cover. Yeah, well, with. you know, on a different, we got to take what the week gives us. But uh, in a different week, they would uh, have been uh, gotten more attention. Didimo, a company from Portugal, got seven point one million dollars. Uh, they make three uh, D avatars out of two D photos. Uh, I think we've seen that before from one of our favorite companies, Spatial. Yeah. Um, but they obviously have a new twist. They sent me actually uh, a 3D model that they had made from my profile picture. And I have to say it was disturbingly unflattering. <laughs> unflattering. <laughs> uh, and then there's a little company called Orama VR that's uh, creating uh, a platform for medical professionals to create uh, bespoke uh, training platforms. Right. Uh, pres presumably... Uh, you know, there's some kind of workflow that results in a uh, VR experience. So yeah, something we're going to have to dig more into because you and I are both very interested in this. And yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of end end user end creation, but the idea of building a creation system specifically for that vertical is kind of an interesting curiosity to me. So we'll keep a close eye on that. So, so despite all the hard work uh, by the U.S. Army and Microsoft to promote IVAST, the report came out. Yeah, uh, and not flattering. It was not flattering. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, didn't contribute to soldiers' ability to complete their mission. Right. Uh, you know, it's a work in progress. Yeah, this was something we were very much worried about. You know, yeah. knowing I, I just think I, I, there's not a lot of t technology I'd want in my face to depend on under the most rugged, terrifying conditions. A man can know. So, I mean, I, you know, I think it's super know, ambitious. Yeah, it's super ambitious. If you look through the lens of what the industry of flight and flight simulation and heads up displays has been, it's an extraordinarily mature industry, all right, of putting into the, the fighter pilots field of view on their helmet when they're in the cockpit. So, the idea of transporting that into the field is kind of the right aspiration, but you and I were very worried that they wouldn't actually be able to pull that off in the first gen. I think like I think it's really hard with the state of the technology right now. I don't um, doubt that they can get this right, but it may take way longer than they thought. Um, but the Army seems like they're all in. I just don't know that they're going to get funding while that money could be used to buy bombs to protect 
Ukraine. So, uh, well, listen, it's eight fifteen. You have a hard stop. I've got to go. Uh, you know, I, I think it's I think it's fair for us to tell everybody that Ted is an executive at uh, Paramount Global, which is in business, and Ted has gotten an early look uh, with Meta. So, um, you know, keep that caveat in mind. Nonetheless, I I think Ted is a uh, uh, you know, a great partner and very open-minded and we don't promote his corporate interests very often. But in this case, in this case, it was part of the announcement. So I think we need to mention that again. Anyway, it must be exciting. Uh, Ted's in Florida, big corporate meetings where he's a, a honcho and everybody looks to him for wisdom. So it's a pleasure to be your partner. Get out of here. We'll talk next week and enjoy uh, your time in um, underwater yep. VR. I'm going to bring him in so I'm not all alone here. All right. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, Lucas, are you there? Yep, I am. So for all our planning, Ted had to slip out before the interview, but I still really okay. want to do our original idea, which was okay. to get with you inside of the Jules Verne experience and okay. interview you while we play uh, and, and hop around inside. So you can give us a little tour. We'll do it as a special episode. Uh, okay. I've got somebody with a PC, you have cross-play, and I have somebody mm -hmm. with a PC VR to uh, capture. Okay. So okay. it could turn out good. Uh, okay. any, anyway, but but let's talk now. Uh, since mm -hmm. we've got you here, we've got you scheduled, and I'm a fanboy, uh, <laughs> as is Thank Ted. Uh, as is Ted. But I love your ambition. Uh, the company's called Mighty Coconut, which how can you not love a Mighty Coconut? Uh, <laughs> so it sort of expresses what you put across so elegantly and honestly and authentically in the games, which is, you know, a sense of, of fun uh, and uh, not taking yourself too seriously, but while making, uh, you know, substantially great game software. Thanks. Yeah, we we like to think of ourselves as like really, really way too serious about, yeah, mini golf and VR and yeah. And yeah, it's but funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but, mm -hmm. but, but it's great. And the result, yeah. you know, what I love is how you and your artists keep challenging yourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we I mean we we take it really seriously and even though yes it's a it's a mini golf game a lot of the folks that we have working on this are you know top of their top of their craft they've been doing this for 20 30 even 40 years and so yeah this is sort of like it this feels like kind of being able to kind of be on the playground a little bit and every you know we get to kind of keep coming up with new worlds that we would never get to do in other games or you would have to spend four or five years living in that world. And it's so fun to be able to kind of like invent this little microcosm. Well, I thought the Jules Verne uh, experience, well, or game or course, mm -hmm. I should say, the Jules yeah. Verne course, I think is your one of your most ambitions, uh, mm -hmm. ambitious as was the Labyrinth course right before it. So you're really mm -hmm. sort of upping the uh, mm -hmm. level in every course. I also loved about Jules Verne that I didn't have to play. Right. I uh -huh. suddenly figured out, oh, I could just teleport around here and take a uh -huh. look at the art and uh, and explore. Uh, yeah, it really is the kind of, you know, I, I also have realized I can do that on some on the other courses, too. And so, uh -huh. you know, one of the things about Walkabout is gr that's great is you can just go explore. You know, uh -huh. sometimes you don't have to play the game. Um you know, so, and it's also sometimes I'm playing the game and I look around and I say, oh my God, I'm so into the game. I didn't realize that I'm like in an Escher drawing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so, uh, one of the things that I think that we found is sort of like that it started off as sort of like mini golf. And a lot of those first courses are really centered around the mini golf. But then we found that the worlds that we were creating were just so 
again, they're these nice, they're these nice size. They're not sort of, they're big enough right. that you can actually get up, get around and explore. And we have definitely added a lot of mechanics like the fox hunts and the lost balls and everything to help encourage people. But we've even started like, uh, especially in the later courses, just the number of Easter eggs and little things we put around the course that even if you're just flying around- right. To reward the people new. who are looking around. I think that's a great exactly. feature. Exactly. But yeah. also you and people take it very seriously in their tournaments and uh -huh. ladders and- <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Companies yeah. doing, you know, uh, team building in there. I mean, it's great. It's such a wide variety of people who play it for all sorts of different reasons. I mean, some people play it socially, some people play it almost to meditate, because um, there's a lot of courses that are just very calm and chill, and there's definitely a Zen quality of perfecting yes. your game. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, and yeah, some very hardcore people, uh, very hardcore players. And it's funny whenever we do anything that even like touches, like if we're adding a feature to the physics or something, we have to be so so careful because if the slightest thing happens, if it feels like the grass is you know, half a millimeter too long, people well, will pick you know, it up it's and still, it still suffers from being early stage VR. So sometimes you're standing over the ball and it mm -hmm. pops. You haven't yeah. done anything. It just yeah. kind of jumps in your hand and hits the ball. So, yeah. but that's mini golf. So I think in the context of mini golf, you kind of mm -hmm. accept it because just yeah. random weird things are going to happen that yeah. prevent you from getting the score, the best score. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I, and we've, I'm, but it's a problem every golf game has, right? All yeah. the other golf games have the same problem mm -hmm. of it loses hand tracking and starts thinking for itself. Yeah. And I, uh, we, uh, one of the features that we added is grip to putt. So if you, it won't activate until you hold down the grip, which helps a lot with that. Yeah. Um, but then also I'm really hoping that where they're going with the new controllers, where there's actually inside. Out yeah, it's the headset. It's not you. Yeah, exactly. You can only you can only do so much of it, but yeah, I really feel like that's the direction that it has to go. Where each controller needs to be independently tracked, and I think that's going to you know we're just yeah we're we're on I, that uh, on that path that it's just going to get better and better for the next so, several years. So here's a, a question I wanted to ask you, just because I know mm -hmm. you're an artist uh, mm -hmm. and you've been doing this for quite a while. Uh, what's the deal with legs? Is it a big deal or not a big deal? And you're also an animator, so can they really be animated? Aren't they going to look like weird, like a Scooby-Doo cartoon or something? I mean, it's one of those things that it feels like getting legs in there. So uh, actually maybe a good example of that. I mean, this isn't this one of these with. things that people want, but when they get yeah. it, they're going to find out it didn't really matter. Yeah, I think it's one of those <laughs> things that people who aren't as used to looking at it sort of like kind of get weirded out by not seeing a character with legs. But until you actually get full tracking, then there's also some weird stuff. Like a lot of people play our game sitting down. And then mm. you see people sort of like, I mean, there's there's all sorts of weird things that can happen. And so we also found that there was a lot of benefit to not even showing the torsos because that's something that we could show. Um, but it tends to just, especially when you have a lot of people in a room, people tend to block the view or it's just a lot of people standing around and really like the head is enough, especially when people start flying. Well, you know, um, Carmack but, went into that yesterday. If you listen mm -hmm. to the unscripted part of- I haven't got a chance to listen to that yet, but this afternoon I, I can't wait to dig in because I always love his his big unscripteds. Yeah, and uh, he was saying that, and again, this is developer talk. He was saying mm -hmm. too many polygons are being wasted on this avatar thing. Yeah. And it is diminishing the quality of the world's and it is mm -hmm. limiting the number of simultaneous uniques that can be inside of a world yeah. uh, and in an instance. So and, I, I think that goes directly to what you were just saying, Lucas. Mm -hmm. And that's actually exactly why. So in our game, we have our own avatars. We're not using the Oculus or Meta avatars just because they're so 
they're so heavy. There are some ways of optimizing them, but we just found that in or for as big of the worlds as we were trying to create, we just really needed to optimize that. And we wanted our avatars to feel like they were part of our low poly world and that the aesthetic fit. So it just really made sense for us to sort of roll our own avatar solution. We had also done that while it was still in an earlier phase. So they've come a ways, but, but yeah, they're just really, really heavy for um, if you're trying to get eight people in a room. Yeah. Um, although there's a new API with um, Facebook avatars uh, and game engines. Mm -hmm. So you can bring the avatars in more easily. But again, it, it goes to that polygon question of, yeah. well, is it worth it to bring those heavy ass assets Mm -hmm. into our game and you know it's an environmental game so yeah. you don't have a lot well, of confidence to waste and one of the other big things with us is that we are a cross-platform you know you can play in any in on anything steam you know yeah yeah but the, but the new and... but the new uh api for avatar from from meta avatar oh yeah is supposed yeah. to do that as well i'm not suggesting that you go to it because as yeah. you said you would be taking on a much heavier uh much exactly. heavier external product so yeah. the other thing of course i'm sure people who are listening uh, and are fans of mm -hmm. walkabout want to know is what's next what kind and sit let me position this as just a development mm -hmm. question i mean you must yeah. have a bunch of ideas bouncing around the office that are kind of you know what we should do mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah we've got a lot of stuff coming so um courses we've really sort of like we're getting into our stride with the course and it feels like each one is is bigger and better and I wouldn't say that it's all just sort of like bigger and better like we're finding let's do something different with each of these things and Nautilus was actually a great example where mm. um because it was so small and you were on the submarine it allowed us to do some really cool things like without spoiling it the intro is a something that we had never done before and that right. was just a really nice well, your sort of background like, is as an animator right exactly yeah so you animation. love that stuff that's mm -hmm. comes naturally right yeah, exactly. One of the things that we always say is sort of like delight and surprise. What are the things that mm. we can put in here that it's not just about showing off technically, but it's actually going to catch people by surprise. And it's not just doing more and more of the same and doing it bigger. It's like, oh, well, yeah, we did Labyrinth was giant. The fact that you could walk around that entire Labyrinth was a was a really cool thing, in addition to all of the licensing and the character work and all that. But so for this one, let's go in a very different direction. And this one was all about sort of density. When you're in that sub, just every single inch of it is just fully, you know, decorated and just has so much storytelling in there just because we had crammed so much in that we had so much more um, uh, ability mm -hmm. to fill it as full as we wanted to do. So, yeah. So getting back to your question, though, yeah, we are starting to play around with a lot more mechanics. We are... We have a lot of courses. I think we've got a, another 12 that are in active development right now. Um, we're also adding a lot more features and we're also coming to more platforms, um, including, I know I've talked before about um, mobile, but we do have an AR, AR mixed version of the game, essentially that uh, you can play on your phone with this fully cross play with VR. So the fact mm -hmm. that you could have, <laughs> if you have a headset, right. you could still be playing with other people who might not. And we think that's gonna be a really- you know, Oh yeah, that would be good. You could really kick their ass easily. <laughs> yeah it's a it's similar but it's different you actually play it by physically putting by physically moving the um device we've even had some people attach it to selfie sticks in our beta group oh and that makes so much actually, sense yeah yeah it yeah. Sort of becomes this little window that you're looking through yeah. so it's surprisingly it's a very limited field of view immersive experience yeah and we've done a few things to to help with the field of view but yeah sort of like uh, some people call it um 
uh, monoscopic VR has mm -hmm. been like the really like niche term for that. But yeah, it's sort of like it's VR, but it's just on the phone. And it's like this little window that you're looking at the world through. I, I thought it was a very uh, shrewd decision to look to public domain intellectual property as the mm -hmm. basis uh, of a new game. So you don't have the limitations that you have mm -hmm. working with a property like Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. Yet you have an overall outline of a place that people know enough, you know, mm -hmm. the role of nostalgia in mini golf is huge. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, and um, so I have one for you that you can add to the dozen in development wizard okay. of Oz. wizard of Oz is. Oh, the original movie. book. Yeah. And all those yeah. Disney fairy tales are, mm -hmm. you know, Cinderella with the mm -hmm. mice and the, pumpkins and things that change into other things right yeah. so you know the mice become horsemen and so anyway i just putting that in the yeah. corner of your brain uh royalty yeah. free <laughs> we're definitely yeah we're we're liking those we're enjoying working with some of the uh i mean all of the people that were that we've licensed courses for have been great to work with but it is nice to do some something that when you take an ip like jules verne and you could sort of like it's and I feel like with the next two Jules Verne courses, we even go further with the sort of like, okay, here was the story, but let's do something inspired by that story that still feels like, oh, it's still sort of like true to what it was, but it's also sort of playing into, you know, taking it in some new directions and sort of like, yeah, kind of having fun with what that idea might might be. Um, and that's the great thing about all of the fairy tales and stuff like that as well, is that you could take like, oh yeah, well, like if we did... Jack and the Beanstalk, or something. right? <laughs> exactly. You can, it's, you don't have to do the classic version that everyone thinks, or you can start there, but then I mean, you put our twist to it. When you, when you think about it, one of the things you do so well is play with scale. Mm -hmm. And so Jack and the Beanstalk is all about scale. Yeah, exactly. That you're, that the, the floorboards <laughs> that you're like falling into cracks between the floors and yeah. Exactly. exactly. So uh, lots of good stuff out there. It must be so much fun. It's like a little Disney shop where you're, uh, you know, storyboarding and spitballing and yeah. playing off each other. Exactly. That's exactly how how we're running it. So interesting because it flows directly out of your experience as an animator. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us your story? I mean, I, I think probably many people, especially my students and younger people, want to know how they become you. I Yeah, I have a very weird, I'll try to give the not crazy long version of it, but um I was a music major in school. I'm a sax player. Um, and I kind of thought that I was going to be getting into like sound for film, but then I accidentally found myself. Um, so I was working in a post studio, but they needed more help on the, uh, on like the color and post-production side of things. So I started off actually as a colorist. One of my first big projects was Sin City. Um, mm. was helping wow, out with that one. Cool. So I kind of got into the image side of things and I was really liking that. And so I wanted to learn animation, but at the time this would have been like 2005, there weren't mm -hmm. really many resources out there since then. There's been so many schools that have come along. So, um, but anyways, I want to learn animation at the time. The only way was to sort of like buy some books and just sort of like teach yourself. So I did a short film called Pigeon Impossible that was <laughs> six minutes long. It took me five years um and then finally when that was done did the festivals and then ultimately i ended up selling it to fox and that was the basis for spies in disguise uh the last blue sky movie the one with will smith and tom holland mm -hmm. will smith turns into a pigeon 
Mm -hmm. um, that came out in 2019, like literally like three months before the lockdown happened. Mm -hmm. So, and then since then, yeah, I had been working mostly in the animation, directing, producing, writing side of things. Um, yeah, doing pitching projects constantly, always writing new stuff. Um, the studio itself, Mighty Coconut, started off as mostly a work for hire animation studio. Are you still and, doing that on the side or? Well, uh, I still have several animation projects that are with various um, with various folks or uh, that I'm just sort of holding holding on to for the right time. Um, but uh, but we are uh, the studio itself, Mighty Coconut. We're not doing work for hire stuff. We're only doing our own originals. And right now we are really focused on walkabout and we've got a couple of other projects that we're starting to play with that are all still in that game xr sort of space um but yeah so we've sort of like pivoted to being doing just 100 our own stuff and uh and yeah now learning how to be a game studio coming from the animation world is a bit of a unique challenge yeah how do you do that yeah eh, <laughs> making some mistakes and just sort of yeah hiring really really good people and kind of figuring out as you go um there's a lot of similarities, but also everything just works fundamentally different and even the business side of it. But luckily we, you know. Well, um, you must be one of those 33 games that's made over a million dollars. They were talking about the revenue, uh, you know, yeah. which, uh, you know, 1.5, excuse me, $1.5 billion mm -hmm. over, I guess, a little over two years at this point. Yeah. So yeah. that's, I mean, that's pretty good. That's real yeah. money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. The fact that um, VR is a really, really good time, and I will say that developing, especially for the Quest for standalone VR, is definitely a challenge. It's it requires a decent number of. You need to really understand some of the deeper stuff in terms of how the tech is working under the hood. Um, but if you know that, or especially for folks who have done mobile VR and especially standalone VR, is a really, really good place for indies like us who are wanting to do something, but you know you're not necessarily competing against AAA games that are spending 100 200 even 300 mm -hmm. million dollars on a on a single uh yeah. game so, and they have yeah. the wherewithal to market those yeah mm -hmm. yeah and they're they're still i think that that you know some coming. of those games cost like 200 million dollars yeah mm -hmm. it's like a movie it, yeah exactly and then you're you i mean yeah getting into the pna behind all of that as well then it's sort of like double it easily so oh yeah, yeah. it's just so, a so do you do you have your creative people together in like a bullpen or is everybody remote at this point? We're all remote. We do technically have an office, but it's more just sort of like when people come into town, uh, mm -hmm. we kind of get together there and there's a couple of people who work out of there. But in general, we're all remote. We do everything over Slack and video. And the nice thing is, is that being a multiplayer game um, and even doing a lot of our development in VR is that we do meet up, but virtually. So ironically, we're one of the, like the best use and cases what, for people. What platform do you use for that kind of collaboration? Uh, well, uh, we use Gravity Sketch um, as a world building tool mm -hmm. that does have some multiplayer, uh, multi-user stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it is actually meeting up in our own game. So, so much of what we do are play tests and reviews, but we'll just actually hop into the game, go into the level. And it's almost like going to like a location scout for mm -hmm. a film. Mm -hmm. You're literally with your putter, you're just pointing, oh, we need to <laughs> change this over here. And oh, that mountain right there, we need to drop this down so that we get a sight line to the thing. So it's it's almost um, sort of like, yeah, like um, uh, doing a, yeah, like I said, doing a location visit for a, for a film or something like that. So it's, it's very cool. And the fact that we're a multiplayer game just makes it so perfect for what we're doing. Um, have you thought about 
expanding the world in i know you have like a practice putting green and a mm -hmm. darts game and mm -hmm. I, I understand those things are popular mm -hmm. yeah uh, we're definitely adding uh, quite a few more features and more game modes. Um, a couple of the other upcoming courses also feel like there might be some elements that we're now that we're sort of getting those systems in place. It feels like, oh, this might even be a mode that we can sort of like activate for the rest of the game or something like that. Um, it just yeah, opens so you up to memberships and other means of recurring revenue. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think that's one of the nice things about your business is that, you know, you have recurring revenue and most yeah. video games, they just, you buy it and you get a number of hours out of it. And mm -hmm. that's the bargain between the consumer and the game maker producer. Yeah, it's very. And so this is a little different than that. Like it's, you know, I don't know what a 1295 to walk in the door and mm -hmm. get a bunch of of courses with that and then yeah. if you want more courses and the new courses and the more advanced courses uh you know you got to pay three or four bucks and so first of all everybody's got three or four bucks yeah that's not a lot to ask mm -hmm. and uh, second of all you're offering something really valuable in return and people yeah. know what its value is because they've already paid you money so yeah. so I, I think that's just a fantastic business plan where you really have the opportunity to turn a lot of players into members. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's actually sort of what's happened with the uh, pro putt uh, now golf plus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, I just think both of the, you know, these kinds of sports games, uh, yeah. have tremendous opportunity to build community and monetize that community in, in a yeah. way that is uh, recognized as helpful by yeah. the consumer. Yeah, and I think that especially with the price that we're charging everything uh, for those add-on courses, it feels like it's sort of like what you would see in more of like, I mean, honestly, it's almost more like the old school, like DLC sort of like expansion pack. Like it's not yeah. just cosmetics. Yeah, well, that's what they've done with Beat Saber, like, right? So yeah, you know, you people are used to buying music, so. Yeah, you get new content. And with us, yeah, it's sort of like each, each course that we launch is sort of like opening up a little new sort of, yeah, a new little theme park sort of within the game. And uh, so far, everyone has been super, uh, like all of our players have been really great about getting like, oh, it's like, yeah, that they're, we wouldn't be able to keep making courses without a little bit, but it feels like everyone is really sort of like contributing and helping give us what we need in order to keep making these and to keep uh, making them even bigger and better than we are. Well, congratulations on the Jules Verne course. It really, uh, you know, I, I've played it multiple times. I've explored the submarine. I just think it's mm -hmm. one of the best done things in VR so far. Oh, thank so you. Kind of crazy that it's in the context of a mini golf game. Yeah. So, <laughs> mini so golf Ted and I definitely have to. Thread. <laughs> yeah, Ted and I definitely have to get in that game and film it with you. So we'll try yeah, and make absolutely. that happen in the next couple of weeks. But but congrats to you and the team. And, yeah. Uh, and thank you for coming on the podcast this week. I've really enjoyed yeah. getting to know you. Yeah, thank you, Charlie. Take care. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend.